Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Today we are joined by acting voice legend Pat Fraley talking all about his many roles, how you can actually learn from Pat. He's got a website, patfraley.com, where you can learn from him and where you can see him coming up next month. All that and more, stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. If you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, For those of you who are streaming this online worldwide, welcome to you. If you're watching us on Instagram or if you're seeing us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, hello to all of you. Uh, We are very excited tonight. We've got a guest who I've not had on the show before, but I've been a fan of his, and I'm sure many of you have as well. If you've heard his voice over the past several decades from his work in stuff like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Super Friends, Scooby-Doo. Centurions, the list goes on and on, including all the video games he's done. We're joined right now by Mr. Pat Fraley. How are you? Hello, Kenting. This is Lord Crane. That's and obviously the turtles too. You're the original voice of Krang. And you're going to be at this convention, not only with Jim Cummings at Unicon in Vegas, uh, but you'll have the original Turtles will be there, all, all the good guys for you to, to beat up on, and the original April O'Neil. It's got to be so rewarding when you, when you do these conventions, you, you see all these people come up to you, and I'm sure they say things like, I grew up with you, thank you for my childhood. As an actor who's taken on these roles, that's got to be an incredibly rewarding feeling. They hate me. They only want to be turtles, and it's a waste of time, right? Nobody wants to be the nobody wants to be the villain, even though they're funny. Yeah, well, you know, I'll be there with the turtles and and uh, encouraging people to come over to see me, Lord Crang. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the encouraging part, James, is I was almost nine years every week sitting next to the same per- guy, Rob Paulson. To do the show. That's unheard of. Even Bonanza or even soap operas, they don't see the people they start with as often as we did. Yeah, that's a great point. And a lot of these uh, voice casts, and when, especially Turtles, I'm assuming, because I've heard different voice actors talk, and I know it's changed a lot now, but you guys did it where you were literally sitting next to each other and you could play off the other person who's next to you in the booth, which is a lot like theater and stage production so that's got to be very fun too i i i've heard other voice actors say especially now with covid they're in their closet and they're doing it alone they're reading lines back maybe with a director but it's got to be a lot of fun to actually have that energy you're actually acting off of another person sitting in the next booth or seeing their facial reaction 
Oh, sure. You know, it's a little creepy. I mean, last cartoon job I did, I was alone. And it's a little creepy, but ours uh, in animation is an ensemble cast event, with the exception of Pixar. Because, you know, you, even Tim and Tom Hanks only saw each other a couple of times. They like to get people in alone, but most animation courses are the majority or the full cast. And I love that. You know, you can work, you tr- You know, our job, my job was to amuse Rob Paulson. Uh, you know, and he was next to me. If he laughed, I knew I hit it. So, um, yeah, it, it's different. Although I must say in Hanna, Hanna-Barbera, and I had the tail end of that, we had uh, all of the mics lined up in a vertical fashion or well, horizontal. But if you had to listen carefully to hear your cue from a person that was on the side, if you were on the other side. Yeah. So again, it's like that theater style acting where otherwise, like if you're doing video games and we talked with Kevin Conroy specifically sticks out my mind because he was doing the voice of Batman for Arkham, the Arkham games. And he said, it's depressing because you're sitting there alone and you're saying the same line. The director said, okay, a little more agitated. Okay. Now more exasperated and you don't have anything to play off of. And he said it those were some of the longest sessions of his life. And you've done uh, your share of video games as well. So it, you had that same feeling from video games. I only did one video game with an ensemble. All the rest were alone. But see, the thing about it, James, is a lot of video games are not comedy. And so it's not as critical as, uh, well, as comedy. Drama is not as difficult as comedy. Because uh, comedy implies you have someone's going to laugh at what you say. And how do you know, right? Even in a, uh, a sitcom, and, and on camera, you have an audience, or you, at least you have the writers to begin with, or somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it's funny you you speak to that too, because when you're doing, you know, everyone says drama is easy, comedy is hard, and you just you just touched on that yourself. And a lot of these shows you're doing, um, you're you're doing dramatic voices in some aspects as well. So, do you personally find it more fun? More fun is, I guess, an obvious answer to say as for comedy, but no, do, you, no, do you get it's more right. rewarding right. out of the comedic it's, role? It's more fun doing comedy. It's a little bit more uh, harem scarum. But I'll tell you what, the trick, James, and I learned this from Ed Asner, who is a dear friend of mine, died three weeks ago uh, or uh, today. Um, but I knew him 40 years. And, and really... What you're doing is playing through the actions and playing drama in a way and trusting that the situation is comedic, hence sitcom. And, you know, when you think about the stuff he did uh, up and then previously the Mary Tyler Moore show, show, very well written and very funny. So you have to trust it. You, You can't try to make things funny. You know, uh, in animation, we had a lot of room to move because to begin with, certainly with the Turtles and other shows, you don't have the writers that you have later. So they're not as hip to styles and characters and stuff. So you, you, you do need to be a bit of a writer, too. And it's funny, too, because uh, some of the more brilliant shows we had come out in the 90s, like Animaniacs, you mentioned Tiny Toons that you were a part of as well. The writing on that stuff was just brilliant, and it holds up so well today. Yes, that's it. It's like Pinky and the Brain or, 
you know, uh, there, there's a, there's some shows that hold up because the writing is so good. Because you know what? Acting is a craft. It's not an art. Writing is the art. Uh, acting is a support craft. Now, uh, you know, people find this not very uh, complimentary or they disagree with me, but that's what I think. And with a lot of the stuff you've done with Hanna-Barbera and uh, Warner Brothers and on to Disney and things like that, like you voiced Buzz Lightyear in a lot of uh, in a lot of the video games and aspects like that. That's got to be so much fun to do these big, larger-than-life characters that everyone recognizes. But when you're doing a job, you just mentioned the writing is the art. Is, do you ever find yourself, like if, you're, if you've done a character for a while, like let's say Krang or Buzz Lightyear in one of the games or something, do you ever find yourself like, hey, could we change? Like, have you ever like asked for a line to be slightly changed? Or again, is that you as an actor trusting the writing and doing what's on the page? Well, I asked this of Brad Garrett, and I was working, and he's a comedy uh, uh, actor, has his own uh, uh, comedy club in Vegas, and one of my dearest friends, and also was uh, Robert on uh, Everyone Loves Raymond, right? The tall guy, the big tall guy. And I said to him, I was sitting next to him with uh, Martin Mole, and uh, and I said, look, if I got something funnier to say, do I say that first or after I give them what they've written? And Brad went, I don't. Uh... And Martin Mole went, care. He doesn't care. And so... What I do is I do uh, on sitcom and on cam where there's a power structure for the writers. I give them what they wrote. Now, before or after, I don't know. You know, um, with with uh, animation, they don't get that much money or credit. And so if you see a line funnier than they have written, it goes. Comedy is, in fact, king. It's funny because uh, going back to Ninja Turtles, the first year, and Rob Paulson and I loved to improv. We're like nuts for it. And we got away with murder. Now, after it got became popular in the second and third year, oh, it was like union arbitration to get an ad lib through. But the writing got better, too. You know, so I can't, I can't balk. But I hope that hedges up to your question. Yeah, no, that that answered everything brilliantly. And it's it's so funny, too, because I think we've talked to so many different actors, both voice actors and, and stage actors and, and uh, TV and movie actors. And one of the things I think is a driving thing is every one of them says, no matter what you're going to do, if you're going to be an actor in some capacity, take some improv. And I think just in life in general, life would be better if people learned yes and more and were able to say yes more often. Well, I'll tell you what, all performance really... Uh is is subject to the conflict of the story. The conflict is a nucleus of all story. And um, what improv does for you, first we think it makes us loose and fast and be able to make up our own stuff. Not necessarily, but what you do find out is what the writer is up against and how, how do you make a story. And <clears throat> the important part in what I teach in audiobooks and narration and any kind of voiceover work is how to create a log line. Now, a log line is a, a short sentence that kind of encapsulates the whole story, what you have written, right? And uh, what I suggest is make it vivid because you got to focus on that conflict so you can tell the story. If you don't know the story, you can't really, uh, really illuminate it. So it gets down to that. 
acting is really critical for any medium. Although, like e-learning doesn't call for so much acting. And um, a person that does a documentary, right, The Voice, it's not so much acting. It's presenting to one person at a time. And so those are a little bit different. But all other mediums, it's all about the acting. And on your website, uh, again, the website is his name, patfraley.com. You have courses that you offer. It's got uh, different, so people can get into not just voice acting. You kind of teach a whole gamut of uh, of abilities for people to use, yeah? I kind of focus on voiceover. I got 30 home study courses. Some are majors, which are five home study courses packaged. And there's actually a, a, a master's because, you know, I thought, you know, I got a major in drama and a master in acting for, at Cornell. And I thought, well, this should be available to people. So it, it focuses on all aspects of voiceover. And you can pick and choose and or email me and ask questions. I don't care. But that's the way I teach because I think there's a difference between a coach and a teach. A teacher, uh, a teacher teaches lessons and doesn't rely on directing. And as you know, we don't get directors in voiceover. Rarely do you get a director of value. And um, so so lessons are important because it's all self-direction in voiceover. Um, I'm trying to think. Video games, you're fully reliant on the director because he'll tell you the scene, and he'll go, okay, being quiet, you're talking to the king, and so you talk like that, right? He'll let you know. But in all other areas, you're sort of up to your own, and certainly with auditions. And I teach how to, the one thing you can't ever ask is, yeah, but how do I get attention? I mean, if I, Bill Sadler and I, we went to school together and got uh, at Cornell. If we ever said, yeah, if we said that, we'd be kicked out. They said, well, you make strong, committed choices. Next. You didn't ask how you get attention. You only got your skills better and better, but you have to get attention. And in audio books, you got to give them the first four seconds with your sample. Otherwise you lose them. You got to get them on the get go and you got to make choices that are illuminate the text, but are different than other actors. My agent, Pat Brady at CESD says, Pat, 95% of all auditions are the same. You've got to get their attention. And that's that's obviously, it's kind of like in life, making that first impression is what really counts with everything. Totally. So when you're... That's, when why, you, that's why you hear all these stories about people that arrive dressed up and jump on tables and, you know, act silly because they get attention. Yeah, that was the famous uh, thing they did from a. Uh, it was a. It was a one of those made-for-TV movies about Mork and Mindy, and they said that when Robin Williams came in to the audition, he came in and sat upside down on the couch and says, "This is how Mork would sit," and that was boom. The directors were like, "Yes, this is our guy." It was different from anything else. Well, he got the attention, and I've been told by uh, casting people, "Look, the producers say we want vanilla, right?" So they give him vanilla, 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 and somebody gives him a little cinnamon. And the producers go, wait, we like that. And the casting person, but that's cinnamon. You know, okay, well, we like it. So I, I think my career has been made 
from when I started like 40 years plus back, I learned in Australia, um, was being cinnamon, being different. And that's probably some kind of neuroses I have to being special or different or something. But that helped me. So we can say Pat Fraley, the voice actor was Spice. That's That should be the new, the new tag. <laughs> yeah, probably not, James. Probably not. Just a thought. Um, I've got so many more questions I want to ask you. And by the way, if you're listening right now on 550 KTRS, if you're streaming us right now, you can text in a question. If you'd like to ask Pat something, the KTRS text line is 84126. If you'd like to text in, I've got the screen up here. Um, if you would just, when you text, say your name and where you're from, like this is Kate from Baldwin or this is Johnny from Cincinnati. And put your question in, and we'll read your question here on the air as we chat with Pat. We're going to take another quick commercial break. You're okay to stick with us for a little while longer. Yes, Pat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Loving it. Perfect. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back chatting more with voice actor Pat Fraley. So please stand by. Hey, you guys, this is Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And after we've kicked Shredder's butt, we all get down in the sewer and we listen to Geek to Me Radio. Turtle power! No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie coming out October 8th. You can get your tickets now at the Marcus Theater's website. Gerard Butler in Cop Shop, a nice 70s gritty thriller for you to check out. Clint Eastwood and Cry Macho. It's always a good time to go see a movie, and if you're going to do it, do it in the best possible surroundings. MarcusTheaters.com. Go to the website, find the location of the Marcus Theaters or the movie tavern closest to you, get your tickets right there online, and you can even save $3 on snacks and soda right now with a special code there on the website. So before you head to the movies, check out the website first, MarcusTheaters.com, for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. We have on the line with us right now Pat Fraley talking all about Unicon. We just mentioned Unicon that'll be going on here in Las Vegas. A um, lot of lot of your peers will be there too. That's got to be exciting that you'll be able to hobnob with your friends. Well, it's, it's good. You know, Cam Clark, who plays Leonardo or did in the original, is my cousin. You know, and then uh, I've known Barry Gordon for years. He played Donatello. Rob Paulson. I've known him so long that Brad Garrett and I used to call him, or still call him, Young Rob. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I adore them all. And really, you talk about getting in the military and being nose-to-nose nine years in the same room once a week. Yeah. And, and it's so well cast. I mean, here's Barry Gordon playing the egghead Donatello, right? While he was recording... He went through law school. He literally would bring his books in, and he graduated in law school. You talk about an egghead. That's impressive. So he's a, he's not only a, a gearhead as as a turtle; he's a lawyer. Who knows? So he could he could get the turtles' lawsuits taken care of. Yeah, exactly. Also, he was uh, president of SAG, and uh, Rob Rob Paulson, by the way, who plays Raphael, uh, plays a smart out. A smart aleck, right? He is a smart aleck. Totally. We've had Rob on the show a few times. We just had him on talking about his new memoirs that he had. Uh, He's such a a nice guy, but he's he's quick-witted and very sarcastic, and I love it. Yes. 
we should mention too the other guests from Unicon have got the website. If you if you're listening right now and you want to check it out, or if you're driving down Highway 270, just look to your right, and I've got it up on the screen over here for you. Uh, they've got Ashley Eckstein, who obviously is the voice of Ahsoka Tana from the Star Wars series. As Pat mentioned, Barry Gordon's going to be there. Cam Clark will be there. They've also obviously got uh, Rob Paulson. They've got so all the turtles will be there, and Renee Jacobs as of course April. But there's all sorts of other people. Jim Cummings, the voice of Darkwing Duck. We've got uh, Kyle Herbert is going to be there. Um, D. Bradley Baker. My goodness, all the people he's voiced, especially if you're liking Clone Wars and things like that on Disney Plus. Harry Waters Jr., uh, Brett Irwin. They've got a ton of guests for you to come see, and they've got some wrestlers there and everything else. It's really going to be a lot of fun. Sam Jones from Flash Gordon will be there. That's October 1st through the 3rd. I will be there as well, uh, getting some autographs and hopefully getting uh, to talk to some people and meet these people who, like Pat, have been uh, you know, part of my childhood growing up. And it's so great that I get to meet these people behind the voices who I've heard. Going to these conventions, too, we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, what's the weirdest thing that you've had to sign for somebody, be it a, a body part or a character or sculpt that you forgot you did the voice of the character? What's been the weirdest thing? Well, uh, I don't know about weird, but uh, I was in Philadelphia with my agents and I was signing and a couple came up and they were, you know, in their thirties and were big Ninja Turtles fans. And they had a, a prick and a kid. Now I grew up around the deaf and blind because my grandfather was a superintendent of the Idaho state school for the deaf and blind. So I noticed that this boy was blind just by the way he's moving. So um, I came around the table and said a high and stuff. And I told my agent, get something soft. And so he went to the other, you know, kiosks and stuff and got a little lobster that was soft. And I said, bring this boy back. And I came over to the boy and did up some voice and stuff because he wouldn't know anything about a picture or a signature. Of course, I signed pictures for the folks, but I did some funny voices. And when the boy came back, uh, we gave him a little stuffed lobster. He put it in his mouth first, which is so typical of a young blind person because this is the most tactile part of the body. And I suppose that was uh, heartwarming to me. It was warm and unusual. Definitely, yeah. And we've got uh, all the different roles you played. Uh, just uh, Again, I'm an 80s kid, so uh, just you were in Filmation Ghostbusters, not to be confused with the real Ghostbusters based on the movie, Filmation Ghostbusters, which was a brilliant series. If you haven't watched this and you're wondering there was another Ghostbusters, go to YouTube and check it out because it's brilliant. And you played Jake on that one. You were in DuckTales as Young Scrooge, Rainbow Bright. Like a teenager, and so I kind of had to pitch it up a little bit. And then I had the ghost buggy. So I had to do things like, well, wait a minute. Are you talking about this? So I talked like a car. And that was fun. Filmation was a great, uh, I did uh, Brave Star, you know, me did the Puma, you know, as low as I could go. It was very few times I played a hero. Cowboys who Mumesa and Brave Star come to mind. But, um, we used to go to filmation. Everything was done in the States, even the in-betweens and the cells and the painting, everything. So we'd go to Lou Scheimer's office, Al Oppenheimer, Jim Cummings, all of Frank Walker, people who worked for him. And there were like uh, design sheets of the characters. And he'd have a cup of coffee and he'd go, okay, Pat, what do you want to play? I go, 
well, I, I guess I could do that one and this one, but I can't do, yeah. Well, okay, good. Uh, Frank, uh, what, what do you like? And we picked what we wanted to do. And we, and we do two shows a day, once a week, and they paid out 1200 back in the day. That was like a, a full run, they called it, right? Going through 12 runs uh, or 13 runs. And so we, we were making huge cake and working like for months on a show, 65 episodes on each show. Yeah, those that's uh, some of those. It, it's kind of funny when you look at now, like even some of these streaming services that offer animation and things like that, they'll keep it down. It's almost like, I guess, the European or the British model where it's like an eight or ten episode arc. And that's all there is. And I know live action has been doing that a lot. But even some of the animated shows that have been streaming directly to Netflix and Hulu have started doing that as well. Well, James, in about 1983, when He-Man hit Monday through Friday and killed on numbers, everything went from a 13 or a 20 episode by. I mean, it's like doing a fruit work in the spring. Then you are done for the year, right? In 1983, they all went to 65 episodes. And so we had the, the voiceover people had to make, because only about 20 of us could do three different characters per show. And so we were bang. Uh, you know, we had some, you know, Neil Ross, I remember, had nine shows at the same time. And so he was like driving all over the place trying to get things done. But that was a really a golden age for, for certainly for the actors. Yeah, and as as a person, like I said, I'm an '80s kid. I grew up watching all those. And speaking of Neil, we had Neil on the show. Uh, we did a we did a pre recorded thing, and we actually had to break it into two parts because he just kept dropping so much knowledge. I'm like, I'm gonna have to break this up into two segments so it fits the whole thing. But you were with him on Centurions. Uh, you played, if I'm not mistaken, you were Max, and he was Ace McCloud. Well, there's a funny story about that. Uh, I got fired from G.I. Joe. They killed my character, Ace. And I didn't even know about it. Did uh, Did Neil tell you this story? He didn't tell me this story, no. Okay. Well, I got fired from it. I mean, not fired. I got killed, so my character was gone. So I'm up in Seattle doing a job, and I see a character in Centurions in an audition for Ace. And I go, well, as long as he's dead, I might as well do the same voice which is kind of like mine, only a little bit more nasal, a little smart-alecky. Meanwhile, Neil Ross gets a script for the character of Ace, or for a, no, I'm sorry, I was Max, but I used Ace's voice because, hey, he's dead, why not? So he gets he gets the role to audition for Ace, and he's thinking, well, Freddie died, I'll use his character's voice because we're very similar. So then we get a call. We're both in the cast, and I get a call from the producer. And he goes, Pat, one of you two guys, you or Neil, have to go. You have the same voice. So I got Neil over to my office, and I said, look, I, I'll go low, you go high. You're a little higher than I am. So we did that. And the poor guy, I went into the producer when I first started the show, and went, I'm doing max as low as I can go. I can't go lower than this. Okay. So poor Neil, every other note he got was, hire Neil, hire. The poor guy said, like, duh, knots in Star Wars. Yeah, and, and Neil did, uh, he did that kind of a high voice, too, for Pidge on Voltron. And it was like. Yes. Yeah, so there was, there were all those, those the, the, the group of you, especially when I think of it, 
the G.I. Joe people like you and like Michael Bell and uh, B.J. Ward had a lot of roles. You were doing like you mentioned with Neil. Neil was doing seven, but you were doing three or four yourself. And it seems like all those people really the G.I. Joe cast really were the cream of the crop of voice actors in the 80s. They were because it was early 80s, 84, 85, something like that. Now, we only did three per show. We did uh, two and a 10% bump for the third. Or back then, they might have been three for the price of one. We never did four, you know, because that would be an extra contract. So they, they'd flush us out, for sure. And was there ever... The show. I, I missed that. Sorry, say again? They flushed out the shows to make sure that we were working and doing our 22 and a half minute show, we would do three characters. Yeah, and I know for G.I. Joe, you did airtight as well. Uh, you were airtight, you were ace, and wild weasel, you were a Cobra uh, pilot as well. I was uh, ace and wild weasel. I don't know about airtight. Not sure. Maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> I was gonna, with all the voices you've done, it must be hard to keep track, especially when one show you're doing three voices. That's uh, that's a lot to remember looking back, and it's been, what, 30 years since G.I. Joe aired? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit of a stretch. I'll go, oh, was that me? I don't know. When you look but at all I've the different... Shows. All of us have done hundreds of shows. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and I was wondering, too, when you when you're on all these shows... Was there one that you remember specifically? You might not remember, but was there one you ever tried out for or went out for that you didn't get that you were like so excited? Like I wanted to be Optimus Prime on the Transformers and I can't believe that no talent hack Peter Cullen got it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that no talent Mark Hamill got the Joker. I know. Now, this, is, this is a funny story. Mark and I are become became dear friends. We had a show together and you know, we get along famously. So we go into an audition for the Joker, first time. And at the bottom of the script, it says a a John Glover type. We walk in, there's John Glover. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Tim, um, Tim Curry? Yes. Tim Curry, yeah, so yeah. Tim Curry or John Glover, they're both there. <clears throat> so we audition. I go too far. Mark does his thing, and he loses it to Tim Curry. A year later, they replaced him, Curry, who's too low, and Mark's going to have to ADR all the work. I go in with Mark, lose it again, because I went too far. And Mark is brilliant, you know, at the Joker. His thing. So I suppose to answer your question, that would be the one that I that got away. But you did get to do Batman the Animated Series because you were the voice of Batmite, which was great. Oh, and that, yeah. you mentioned working with directors. Andrea Romano did uh, the Batman animated series, a lot of those directions. And everybody we've had on the show who's worked with Andrea has nothing but glowing things to say. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, I wasn't her favorite because I was, I'm more exaggerated, right? Uh, and she's very fast. She was uh, taught by Gordon Hunt, very fast. She works a little faster than I do. And so, uh, yeah, uh, but when I work with her, she's got brilliant, she's brilliant. You know, I've worked with her on Ninja Turtles quite a bit, too, and uh, other shows, but usually more exaggerated stuff. So that Batman must have been fun to do, because, again, that was one of those ones that we mentioned where you're able to look at the other actors. So there you had Lauren Lester, and there you had Kevin Conroy, and you were able to do it, kind of act and kind of play off of them. Oh, gosh, I got to meet Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. I got to meet... 
on-camera actors. I loved it. I've always, I've always had a passion for two things, performing and teaching. So it's been a delight my whole year, my whole life. And you're getting to do both. You're teaching and you're still performing. There's uh, projects that you you just got done doing. And uh, we're actually, do, are you okay to stick with us for one more commercial break? Yeah. Okay, we're going to take one more quick commercial break. We're going to come right back in just a moment. We're going to continue talking with Pat Fraley. So please stand by. This is Ed Asner, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. I can't tell you how exhausting it's been humoring this geek. He is terribly costly and time-consuming. I ask for mercy, and there is none to be had with this geek. of the legendary Ed Asner bringing us back from commercial break. Um, again, as we just mentioned, passed away three weeks ago today. Uh, my condolences once again to his friends and family. Uh, true loss, just an absolute lion and a complete legend when it comes to all of his many roles on the big screen and the small. I uh, want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the people who are responsible for keeping this radio show on the air. We've been on the air for five years now, and our premier sponsor, the one who started with us and who's been with us ever since, the city of St. Charles. You can check out the website, discoverstcharles.com, Discover St. Charles. Uh, along the top of the website, it looks like they've just redone it because I was just on there last week, but they've got like this movie that goes on in the front of it now, and they've got these uh, great new events thing with new fonts. But uh, coming up here, if you're interested, on September 21st, just in a couple of days, at the uh, Scheidegger Center at Lindenwood Campus, they've got the Masters of Illusion, a nice show for you to check out there. Uh, they also have a Builder's Home and Remodeling show on September 24th at the St. Charles Convention Center. And, of course, in October... My favorite time of year. We're in the fall. This is Halloween season. Legends and Lanterns will be going on all through downtown St. Charles. You can interact with living history characters like Baron Samdi, Marie Laveau, uh, the Phantom of the Opera. You can interact with all these characters and learn their history. They'll have the pumpkin glow going on. It's a family-friendly event, and it's free. You go down there to spend the day down in St. Charles. It's coming up the middle three weekends of October. You can go to the events tab on the St. Charles website to learn more about that. And then right around the corner of Christmas traditions, they put on the largest and longest running Christmas festival in the country. I think it's its 27th year this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you can check out more. Just go to discoverstcharles.com. Uh, all the places to eat, all the places to shop. St. Charles is essentially made up of small businesses, and nothing's more important, especially in these times, than supporting small businesses. So please, if you can, get out to the city of St. Charles, whether you're from out of town. Maybe Pat can want to plan a trip. He can come visit St. Charles, stay at a bed and breakfast. He can do a an Airbnb or a hotel with first-class accommodations. There's no limit. And if you're in St. Louis, St. Charles area, there's no reason why you shouldn't just jet across the bridge, head over and check out St. Charles. As we always say here, it's an historically good time. We're talking for the rest of this hour with voice acting legend Pat Fraley, and we've gone over his different roles. You've got to, at this point, you've had all these different roles. Yes? I want to, you're a big Ed Asner fan, right? You were? Okay, um, he was my uh, across-the-street neighbor for years, and I got to know him, and one of my dearest friends in Los Angeles. The I want to tell you the way I met him. Now, I knew who he was because he was the SAG president, my union president. He was out of town, and the neo-Nazis came by and spray-painted killed Jews in his skull and crossbone on his door. So, um, and then called the you know newscasters. 
Well, Renee showed, my wife showed me, and so I rubbed it off, and nothing happened. The next day, Ed Asner came to my home and said, oh, you're the guy that took that paint off my door? I said, yeah. And he went, I want to thank you. I said, oh, no problem. You don't think I wanted other people to know Jews lived in our neighborhood? And he gave me one of those slow, bubbling, growling laughter that goes crazy. And from then on, we were like dear friends. That's so that was that was your that was your meet cute. That's how you met Ed Asner then. Yeah, he kind of liked it. I was an odd duck because he's an odd duck. He was, and uh, you know, a charming guy and different. He was different. I saw him in New York on in Broadway, and I, I, I hired him to do audio books with me. I did a play with him. I did cartoons. Everything. Yeah, there was no limit. And one of the things you guys have in common is you guys both have played Santa Claus. You did a uh, Christmas TV short for if you give a a mouse a Christmas cookie. So you and Ed have had had that in common. You both played Santa. Yeah, but here's something interesting about Ed. Once I asked him, uh, who made you better as an actor? Because, you know, you ask each other questions like that. And he went, well, Danny Trevani. No, Daniel J. Trevani, okay, of course, makes sense, right? And Will Ferrell. And I said, Will Ferrell? He made you better? And he went, yeah. When he looked at me and said, I know you, I knew I had to really pick up my Oscar. And so that level of commitment by Will Ferrell really encouraged Ed Asner to really act up a storm. It's one of the best Santas ever in Elf. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a seminal movie. I watch that every Christmas. It's on my, my Christmas movie list. Me too. And with all the jobs you've done, is it very hard? Like if I was to say, pick your top three favorites, is that something you'd have to think about and ruminate on? Or do you have an answer like at the ready? At the ready. Critical, it's The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, the audiobook. 93 characters, 34 dialects. I loved it. Uh, for money, it was crank. You know, we all made scads of money. The third is very interesting. You remember Tailspin? I do, yeah. You were Wildcat. Well, I played Wildcat, uh, Baloo's uh, ignorant but lovable sidekick. Baloo's adventure, banana. I forgot. <laughs> you know, very silly. Well, well um, I played him kind of naive rather than stupid because I thought that's the way to go with this guy. 20 years later, I get a call from a psychologist in New York who represents somebody that's uh, autistic and says, do you mind if I give her your phone number? I'm like, no, come on, no problem. She calls and she was a big fan of uh, Wildcat. Here's why. To get uh, access to the resources they have for autistic kids, or did then, you had to go to public schools. So she'd get on the bus and be humiliated all through school and all the way back. And after school, she'd watch Tailspin and watch Wildcat. Now, Wildcat to her was a challenged kid. And everyone loved the character. And that meant something to her. And so that that's in my top three. That and that's that was such a great show, the Disney Afternoon with uh, with, with Ducktales and Gummy Bears and Tailspin. That was oh, just yeah. an iconic time. Well, I'll tell you, it was the best animation that I saw for years. 
Before that, it was like puppet shows, Scooby-Doo I did. And it was like, they, they did what they call on 14. They changed a cell every 14 cells or it was horrible. It was like, what well, wasn't really smooth and beautiful like Disney's known for. And it's kind of funny too, because animation styles have changed so much from the seventies to now with everything now being computer generated. It's not even, you know, no one's hand drawing each picture by picture, frame by frame anymore. That's amazing. I think things are better now than they were. I think there's many more styles. It was always the Hanna-Barbera style. It was like, uh, you know, jump up in the air and you'd hear bongos and they'd be running and loud and strong and wild. Well, there's different styles now. But I, th- I find it interesting, too, because, yeah, there, it's different. And a lot of the animation now is more slick. But some of the stuff that was uh, that original stuff holds up so well. And I don't know if that's, again, a testament to because obviously you can look at it and say, well, the animation's kind of crude. And Filmation, of course, did a lot of that, even with He-Man, where they'd reuse a lot of certain scenes like He-Man doing the forward role. But it, I guess it must have been the writing and the story and everything is why it holds up so well still. Well, maybe it's nostalgia, James. Maybe you remember with a Fruit Loop stuck to your forehead. Uh, but I'll tell you what, my favorite cartoons are Warner Brothers, Daffy Ducks and Bugs Bunny and the old stuff. That's really Chuck Jones cartoons. Wonderful stuff. And Bullwinkle. They're, yeah. they're my favorites. And, and, and you worked with so many engine. legends. What? What? You worked with so many uh, like high talents from back when you started. You were coming up with the likes of Mel Blanc and people who were doing yeah. that stuff. Still, that that's such an amazing time to have gotten into voice acting. Right when I was a kid, I heard Dawes Butler and Don Messick doing uh, Prixie, Pixie and Dixie and the Rough and Ready Show. I was about nine years old. Cut to me after going to college all over, living in Australia, living in New York, living in Seattle. I get down to Hanna-Barbera for my first show, and what do I hear? Don Messick and Doss Butler. Shocking. And they were older than I, 20 years, and they're all dead. You know, <clears throat> most of them are all dead. But I did get the tail end and got in shows like Yogi Berra, Huckleberry Hound, the Flintstones, the Jetsons. So I got to be hang around them a little bit. And so let me ask you the same question that you had asked Ed Asner who made you better as an, be it as an actor, or as a voice actor, who can you name like three people who made you better? No, uh, I can tell you that listening to Ruth Draper made me better. And Lord Buckley, Richard Buckley made me better, but working with someone, I think maybe Jim Cummings and Rob Paulson, but that would be about it that I, that I, off the top of my head, because by the time I got here, I was highly trained and skilled. And so it wasn't sort of like, I, yeah, I did learn on the job. We all do. But I was sort of set in my ways. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, we're mentioning, too, I want to make sure that we plug Unicon uh, coming up in Las Vegas, October 1st through the 3rd. Pat will be there along with a lot of the people we just mentioned, the Turtles, April, uh, Sokotano, Ashley Eckstein will be there. And that's going to be a great time. You can actually get to meet these people. You'll be able to have them sign stuff for you. I'm going to go broke because I've got a suitcase full of action figures for all these people to sign. Um when, when you do this, when you get together with everybody and it's after the convention hours and you're going out to dinner and you go out to dinner with the Turtles and Neil Ross, do you guys do you guys just talk about, is it just a catch-up thing? Do you guys kind of reminisce about jobs you've done? Is it a little bit of a mix of both? What do you guys talk about when a bunch of voice actors get together? 
it's kind of funny because uh, like Cam Clark and I hang out and Alan Oppenheimer who played Skeletor and I are buddies. We don't really talk about uh, work or money. We talk about funny things we've heard about other people in shows, funny stories about, you know, Hollywood stories. But mainly it's like kind of boring about how, how the kids, how's Ashley, uh, what are you up to, what are you driving, you know, like like uh, like people do. But n- very rarely about I did this or that or when we did this, very little nostalgia that way. And it's got to be, again, so much fun seeing everybody. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes because tickets are still available if you want to go to Unicon and check out the the vast array of guests they're going to have there. Do you have other shows, any more shows scheduled for the year after Unicon, or is that going to kind of? You know what? I do very few because I teach. Now, in the last couple of years, because of COVID, I haven't taught. I teach uh, home study courses, and, uh, you know, it's over the Internet and stuff. Um, so I traditionally have not done a lot of shows or signings. But uh, maybe I did one in Philadelphia, I think, or two. I did two. I did one with the turtles. So it's rather unique for me. But I love it. I love taking pictures with people. Love that. And it's so nice to be getting back to that because besides movie theaters, the one thing I missed so much during COVID was getting out to conventions because I was doing like four or five a year. And I'd obviously get to do my interviews with people who were there who I don't get to see uh, before and uh, get all that, the pictures and everything like that. And with COVID, it was like, what's happening? Because I, I don't get to to hobnob. And there's so many, every convention I've ever been to, everyone is so friendly because we're all there for the same purpose, to see people like you, Pat, and to get to meet our, our idols. And it's uh, these conventions are always so great. But you mentioned the teaching. And again, your website, patfraley.com, where people can learn and study under you. Did COVID, obviously, it's all online. A lot of people, even in traditional classrooms across the country, are going to online learning in a lot of cases did COVID impact that at all for you did you have to up your online game or was that kind of already in place it was already in place and people uh, go to my site and they check out what they want to learn they want they want to be aggressive voiceover the art of aggressive auditions they sign up for it and then they send me mp3s I guide them and we go back and forth and it didn't really affect it that much James because I don't do zoom I don't do zoom meetings because I like people to get their best shot in their own home recording and and not waste time and money by them getting things wrong to begin with so they send me the best shot and that's all it's it's a little more uh pro it's a little pro um it's a little bit more uh better as far as that deal goes I think and again, if, if you're able to teach Jim Cummings, and he's done pretty well, so that's uh, that's saying a lot about uh, the quality of classes you're offering, I guess. Well, I don't know. I, I can't use that as an example. I only taught him once, and he was so awesome when I worked with him. I mean, all of them. I, I'll be over getting a, a signing from him, you know, from Jim. But he's a dear friend, and I've done a lot of work with him, and uh, he's a special guy. 
And you you started out in acting, like you mentioned, going to Cornell for the acting. You were doing Shakespeare and things like that in Australia when you got into the voice role. So looking back, is there ever a little bit of you that's like, I wish, you know, because a lot of people who start out in traditional theater, even voice actors like Lauren Lester still does plays and things like that because they they love walking the boards and doing the plays and everything like that. Is there ever looking back because you've had such a great career in voice and you've done live action stuff, too? Do you ever kind of wonder what if you'd stayed with theater? Well, I'll tell you what would have happened. I would have been good, but mediocre. Because um, I'm not geared. I just don't have the skill set to be a rep actor. Um, I don't know why. I'm a little too, I've always been exaggerated. So when I got down to it, I thought, well, cartoons, they need exaggerated performance, certainly at that time. And I hit the ground running because I was great at French farce. But when they did check off, the pilot light went out. I was not that good. The, the road that might have been, but you've obviously done very well. And as we wrap up here towards the end of the hour, uh, again, Unicon, let me get the exact website because I've got it pulled up here. It's Unicon, U-N-I-C-O-N dot Vegas. And then Pat's website is his name, Pat Fraley, F-R-A-L-E-Y dot com. Uh, if you want to check him out there as well. And as we're wrapping up, uh, we've just got a couple of minutes, or I should say about a minute left. Where can people find you if they want to keep up with you online, social media? Are you very active or is it best to go through the website? Best to go through the website. In the contacts is my personal email and my phone number. Email's faster. So we'll have uh, we'll have a link to the, the website as well in the show notes. Uh, Pat Fraley, I so appreciate your time. I'm very much looking forward to meeting you in Las Vegas in just about 11 days. Yeah, and also, if you had a camera guy, come on over. Let's do an interview, uh, and I'll talk to my agents, try to twist their arm and get you a deal. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Be well. Okay, you too, James. That's it for our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. My thanks to Pat Fraley. Thanks always, as uh, I should say, as always, to Joey V making the show sound as good as it does behind the scenes. Toy Man Toy Show this coming Sunday, a week from today. I will be there set up selling stuff for you to buy, and we'll be giving away geek to me Radio stickers. So check us out. And until next week, my friends. Thank you, USS Flag. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.